Hey everyone, you are listening to the Shadow Artist Experiment podcast, and I'm your host, Josh Bell. With my co-host, Gabby Creary, we journey together through the works of Julia Cameron and beyond to help everyone open the door to a healthy and creative life. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Shadow Artist Experiment. As always, I'm your host, Josh. With me is the lovely Gabby, and we have a very special guest today. Hi. The lovely Kimberly. I know. So it's really funny. I just got, uh, Mike, Michael and I have always been talking about like different names for each other. And he's always like called me Joshy to be cute. And like, I was like, Aww. I'm going to call you Mikey. And he's like, Mikey is perfect. It has no like connotations to anything in the past. You can call me Mikey. <laughs> like Joshy always weirded me out for a really long time until like I took it in as like a form of endearment instead of like, yeah. oh, you're not like calling me childish. You're being like, oh, that's cute. Like, yeah. so it was like a big change. So I chose Joshy and Mikey. Yeah, Joshy and, and Mikey. When I was little, uh, I had my my best friends were I had two best friend groups. Mm-hmm. So it's it's perfect that that we're BFFs with you and Michael now. It was Darcy and Mandy and Jesse and Chrissy. Yeah. So, and my name was Lisa. So I was Lisi. Lisi? I was Lisi, Jesse, and Chrissy? Lisi. Lisi makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up and became Gabby. I'm from the South where Lisi makes perfect sense. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's funny. On the last podcast, we were just talking about uh, this movie I saw that took place down in this, it's like green or Clearwater or some like very very southern southern sounding name Uh, but it was uh, it brings it actually brings us into forgiveness um, which is what we're gonna be talking about in the second podcast on forgiveness Uh, so just to just to read like I'm spoiling the entire movie but it's a great movie it's called uh, Uncle Frank Uncle Frank but it's about this gay man who was grew up in this southern um, the southern house southern household on this farm in the south i keep saying south um but his father ended up catching him as a teenager like engaging in lewd acts as they would say um but his father basically said if i ever catch you with that boy again um i'll kill both of you and they told him like how he would go to hell so it's like this big scene and this is a lead up at the end of the movie because you know that they were together and you see like these flashbacks but at the end you find out actually what happened between him and his father and then his father has always like just belittled him and treated him like crap the entire time there's this scene at the end after the father dies and the father has condemned him in front of the entire family like i give two of my kids twenty five thousand dollars i give my sister five hundred dollars and my eldest son i give nothing because he's like the scourge of the earth and he's this horrible homosexual so there's this beautiful scene at the end that um you can see the change in the character because of how he responds to this. Uh, his aunt, his aunt, his dad's sister, was like, "Yeah, I knew like a lot of these homosexuals, like in this, like in Charleston and all this kind of stuff." And she's like, "But you know, you're going to hell, right?" And he ends up taking her hand and saying, "That's the best you can do," and I understand that. And she was she was weirdly nice about it, as I've. I've dated a southerner. They can be very nice and say very cruel things, and you still think it's nice. <laughs> that is the truth. But but there is this sense of like uh, they for- say it politely. They say it so politely. <laughs> uh, but there is a sense of like forgiveness, even though you know that like 
yeah, this is like, I think that encapsulated, like when I was talking about this in the last podcast, it really encapsulated this idea of forgiveness, like this letting go, like, okay, I'm not going to be angry at you because you don't know any better. So let's start with the tough question. What is your experience with forgiveness? <laughs> well, just coincidentally, just with what you were saying, I had a similar experience with my father. Um, my father didn't really, he didn't raise me, his mother did. And my father was one of those, those people who, ooh, just perhaps should not have ever become a father. Yes, yes. And uh, it took so many years of being angry with him for uh, not showing up to graduation, for uh, telling me that my ass was huge, um, for all these these things that to him, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't trying to be rude or or trying to hurt me that I know of, but he just didn't know any better. He just didn't know any better. Yeah. And as he entered his seventies, we had um, a moment where he called me and apologized, and it was the first time I'd I'd heard my dad cry, and he he said, I did what I was taught. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, that actually brings up uh, another thing we talked about earlier, uh, which is which is so funny because we were talking that people like of an older generation, um, and I, I turn 36 tomorrow or on the 18th, I should just say on the 18th, because like this is being recorded before, but uh, a lot of the older generation, yeah, very soon, soon, very soon, very soon. But it feels like to me, a lot of the older generation, um, like my grandparents and even some, even some parents, because my parents are young. My parents are only in their fifties, six, almost sixty. My dad turned sixty this year. Yeah, so yeah, it's super young. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Um, there's this idea that uh, to pull yourself up by your bootstraps, kind of thing. You know what I mean? And like, their their definition of trauma is like very, very severe, versus like uh, these acute traumas that we go through. And then I mean, like. Uh, we talked about a little bit about the book group, like like we talked about in the book group was like, everyone has acute traumas that they go through. And some of those acute traumas are more severe because of perception and because of where you're at. Uh, and those, I think those acute traumas are even ha sometimes harder to forgive than the bigger things that happen because uh, those acute traumas accumulate. But like I like my my own um, my own experience with my father is very similar actually. Um, growing up, like as an adult, I have a much better relationship with my father than I ever did as a kid. But it's all of those little acute traumas, like my father dealing with alcoholism, my father dealing with a gambling addiction, my father uh, not being at home because he was a truck driver, uh, the like outbursts of anger and stuff that come from you know being an alcoholic. Like in retrospect, I can like look at that and be like you were doing the best you can because you were doing exactly like your father said, he was doing what he was taught. And 
it's hard to come to that when you're like 16 and your dad just isn't there and he doesn't show up to prom even though he's at home. Like, It's funny yeah. that you say that. I was talking to Kimberly recently and uh, I can't remember. It was some circumstance and I was describing something that, that and you're like, Gabby, you just have to understand that they're simply doing their best. Mm -hmm. And that's the place that you come from, right? That, that is it. It took me a long time to get to that place, mm -hmm. but once I got to that place, ah, it, it was so freeing for me. There, there are times when I feel that I don't have to be in that place. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's really Tell funny. me about it. Well, because you have, the, you have those moments. You have those like, oh my God, I forgive. And it's like the clouds open up and the light is coming down. And then like some guy just flicks you off as you're driving down the road and like it all comes back. And it's like, did I really forgive? And that's and that's one of the you things. You did and you have to do it again. And you have to do it again. It's, it's like you, somebody, it's like your mother. Your mother's always gonna be your mother. And you know, it's gonna come up. You, you might have done the work of forgiving whatever it is that you need to forgive and let go and all of that. And your mother's still your mother. So you're gonna have to do it all over again. Yeah. She's still your mother. It's, uh, it's... And everybody has a mother and I don't care how incredible, mine is wonderful, she's great. She's moving to Savannah with Josh. She keeps but... saying that, like... <laughs> It's true, We just happen to be moving so, to Savannah. Together with my Probably mother. after her mother, actually. <laughs> uh, even though we decided it first. <laughs> yeah, well, she thought it was but, a good idea. But there is this... Uh, Copy, this... Copying is the best form of co compliment. Flattery, flattery, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, imitation is the most purest form of flattery. Okay, I right. butchered it, but whatever. <laughs> So, oh, good. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting that, like, as as we talk about this, I never realized how much like yoga or meditation that forgiveness is a practice. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's that's yep. some, that's such an interesting takeaway. Like, just right away, like forgiveness is a practice. But that's okay. It's like doing and it's the gratitude journal. It's a practice, and if you get out of that practice, it's it's redoing the neurotransmitters in your brain the neuroplasticity yeah i love i love I, I like i've been i didn't know that i was waiting to say neuroplasticity <laughs> oh, you all your life to go I've been waiting. neuroplasticity all neuroplasticity well with with me and forgiveness i I, I don't know how much of a, a, a deep dive we might take in, into something dark here, but I, I'll tell you a story about something that happened, uh, funnily enough, uh, around the time that my dad died. I was home for him, he was in the hospital, and at the time we weren't certain that he was going to die. So as time went on, um, he told me he was tired, you know, I said, you know, I understand, we love you, you can let go, we're all gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. So I was feeling pretty good about myself, about, you know, being the strong one, you know, who could, you know, who could say this to my dad when no one else would. And then I was, between his death and his, um, his burial, I was at my, favorite cousin's home. I mean, she's, she's better than 
a sister to me. She is just light and joy. And her brother is not. Her brother uh, sexually abused me when I was 11. Yeah. And he showed up that night. And my, my cousin's husband went outside to say, you can't yeah. come in here, you yeah. know, no. And I went outside and said, you know what? I, I said to myself, I'm gonna forgive him. I'm, I'm gonna be so forgiving right now in this moment. Oh boy. And I, <laughs> my cousin and her husband were both looking at me like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> so he he came in. We went into a back room together. <laughs> we went into a back room together. And I said, I know in the past I've been very angry with you. And, and um, I've told you that I hate you. And that I wish you were dead. And I've just gone beyond and I said but that was holding me back and I've learned I don't want to do that anymore so I forgive you and he said oh, it was like this this like way off off of him but then he said oh Jesus <laughs> <laughs> I know we were just young dumb and full of and in my mind, I was like, I was 11, and you forced me, and, oh. Oh. and this is all going on in my head, and he's continuing to talk, and then he goes, he tries to hug me, and I push that away, and he says, um, in a, the tone of voice that he had used on me, when I was 11, with this smile on his face, he said, you know, why didn't you ever, why didn't you ever tell anyone? And I went back to being 11 years old in that yeah. moment. And he was putting the responsibility on your putting shoulders. The responsibility on my shoulders. And I talked to my therapist about it when I got back to town and we talked over and over and over about it. And I came to the realization, uh, I feel okay not forgiving him. Yeah, I, interesting. I, I'm a, I, I feel all right with that. I feel all right not forgiving this person. Mm -hmm. There are, are people in my life who, if I did not have forgiveness for them, it would break me, Yeah. but not with, with this person who perpetrated this yeah. criminal act on me. Uh, the, coming to that conclusion, coming to that conclusion of um, being being strong, I think, like strong in the not forgiving, um, which is like, do you feel do you feel the same kind of relief you, the relief almost the same kind of relief that you get when you do forgive people? Yes, as a matter of fact, that I'm so glad that you asked that. Um, for years, I had been feeling this weight of not being able to forgive him. It was, I was carrying it around and thinking of myself as a terrible person for not being able to forgive him. And not being able for, to forgive him 
I keep saying not being able to forgive him. It was, um, it made me think about him yeah. more. He was more a part of my life. Mm -hmm. And once I settled with, nah, Get don't need name. that. Release. Release. Yeah. I, release. I release you. Yeah. I can yeah. say his name now. Before yeah. I couldn't. Um, and when you when you mentioned to me the topic of the podcast and asking me to be here, I thought I you know, I know these two people and forgiveness to them might be total forgiveness just across yeah. the board. Yeah, I understand that. And I found that that didn't work for me in this situation. I don't know that I could have the conversation with someone like you did. I think that that's, yeah. that's where, like in my mind, I can access forgiveness even for the people that have done things to me that have been incredibly damaging. Uh, but could I have that conversation and in the face of that conversation, if they were to not get it the way that happened to you, I have no idea where I would go with that. Well, that that's a very unique perspective. And, and you gave, like you said, you have to also look at yourself and, and see that you're doing your best. You tried it. You tried that on. Mm -hmm. You gave that forgiveness an honest, like that was a, that was, that was way about walking the walk and talking the talk. Well, it's, it's you gave it an honest shake and you tried it and it didn't work. Yeah, it's okay for things not to work. So that's an amazing um, that's an amazing callback to what we were talking about earlier because there is this sense of there's a lot of people who talk about like forgiveness as a like that total forgiveness that you're talking about, and it's nice to see like and I feel like some people can take a deep breath and let it like release their own kind of thing like knowing that it's okay to not forgive somebody um but it's all it's all it's it's all it all comes down to like the work that you do and whether or not you can if, if that's what you need because like like you guys were saying at the time you thought you needed to forgive him and it was holding you back and you did forgive him well but you, you need you need that confrontation is what you needed I think. It, it's it what it comes down to is you not him you need to release anything that's not toxic for you and forgiveness is an access point to that gratitude is an access point to that yeah. uh, and if you are carrying around anger resentment hostility anything that's just negative in your body it again it's eating the poison and expecting somebody else to die from it yeah which i use and use and everybody else uses and uses and uses again because there's no better way of saying it it's true it's true it's, it's about you and your house and and getting rid of rid of that shit it's yeah. so it's so interesting um as you're talking about the fact that like he took it and went right to victim blaming um and trust me i I understand that, and that's uh, what I wanted to say. Is because when I like, I was on a car ride with my mother and my grandmother um, from South Dakota to here in September of 2012, and I don't remember how it came up, but I told my parents that I was like, I told my mom that I was sexually abused uh, by my babysitter, and she's like, she went right to victim blaming as well, and it's like in those like it's having that conversation with my mother and just telling her. And then, like, I remember how hurt I was that she was, like, she went right to that. But at the same time, like, 
she doesn't know any better. <laughs> she, and it's also not the taking the responsibility, but even having that conversation with her is like, okay, my mom knows now. Like, whatever, I got through it. Like, I'm on the other, I'm on the other side of it. Like, it was just that like, and I can for, I can forgive my mom for saying that because she doesn't know any better. And in a way, it like, okay, I can forgive her for that. Like, and I can forgive her for not knowing because she didn't know. Um, but like, it's. I've it's, been in a real judgy yeah. space with that recently. That's been my, mm -hmm. as I began to, to delve yeah. into all of it um, and the not knowing and did they know or didn't they know? And were they, and what did they know? And, and then the, the not looking at you because they knew, because they didn't want to face the shame of it. Yeah. That's, that's been a real, that's, I, and again, hats off to you for going to, I'm not, I have not held that conversation with anybody in my world. Yeah. I don't know that I'm capable. I can say, I forgive and do my, draw their suffering in and send them relief draw their suffering in, send them a relief. And I have, and I have, and I have again, but am I having that conversation with anybody? No. That's but, really brave. But that's, that's, that's really also brave. like, courageous. I also like, you're talking about it and it's so hard. It is so fucking hard because when I talk about it, mm -hmm. I feel like I'm betraying people that yeah. I love. Mm -hmm. Or sort mm. of love. <laughs> no, I love I'm my kidding. family. I, I do, know, I, know. I really do. I And I, I it, it feels like a betrayal. I understand that. Because as we've been talking, and specifically what you were just talking about, I know people knew, and I know that uh, my I'm mother getting knew. sick. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It's okay. Uh, Do you want some water? No, I'm okay. I'm okay. okay. Like something is like, whew, no, hi. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. You knew? I knew that people knew. And I know that my mother knew. Mm. And they don't know how to face it, I don't think. My it's... mother was born in 1924 in the Jim Crow South. And she was married at 14. Yeah. She didn't get past, I think, fifth grade. Um, she could barely read and write. And talking about it now in this forum, I, I, I was wondering, you know, should I? Is this a, a, a betrayal? But no, it's. While you were talking, I came to the conclusion that no, that's it's an integral part of my story, of the truth of my story and how I was able to forgive my mother. Yeah. When I, when I told her though, I, I suspected that she knew something, maybe not all of it, but something. And when I was in my early twenties, I started to have nightmares. I had repressed everything and I started to have nightmares about it and it came out and I found out my sister, my, my sister who's 15 years younger than I am, was spending her summers with my mom, uh, who is my grandmother. My mom is biologically my grandmother, which is a whole nother story about my dad not, you know, should never have had children. Um, 
Oddly, that sums it up pretty well. <laughs> I do love, I do love that we can sit here and have these like very intense conversations and then be laughing at the next thing because it's all you, you have to. <laughs> um, I, I took a break from work. I was working at Tower Records in the East Village in Manhattan. That sounds so cool. Yeah. A totally different story. We'll have to talk about that later. <laughs> I took a break from work and I flew home to Arkansas and I told everyone <laughs> about one instance of the abuse, not about the, the one that I am, I'm still working on, but just in general, that Brian had sexually, uh, the word I used then, molested me. And my mother couldn't look at me. She just said, it wasn't my fault. Mm. And I held on to anger about that for so long. Mm -hmm. And even after she had, even after her death, I was still holding on to this. And until I learned a lot of lessons in, I, I do dialectical behavior therapy. If, if there's a book about how to have some sort of relief from what I've been going through for decades, I, I want to read that book. Yeah. So spending time with, with people <laughs> like that, I mean, it's just, it's just helped me so much and helped me see what what happened to me was quite possibly i mean for someone who was married to a 28 year old when she was 14 and all i knew about it the only thing she ever said about him was that he was a mean man um i she never talked about her life with me and I can only imagine that it was not pleasant. She kept a pearl-handled pistol in her bra. So... <laughs> that is such mm -hmm. a horrifying and wow. beautiful image all at the same time. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, pearl-handled yeah. pistol so, in her bra. It's so funny the stories that like we find, we find out about our family. Um, <laughs> and, like, and the forgiveness, like, and we find out about ourselves like, looking into that, because, like, I found out a few years ago that my, well, I found out before I left South Dakota, so it's, like, 12 years ago now, that my father uh, had a child before he met my mother, and for the longest time, like, I knew about it because I heard one time my parents talk about it when I was a kid, like, very young, yeah. and they never talked about it when we were older, and finally, as an adult, I brought it up. And my bro like, I was too nervous to get the whole story. My brother got the whole story and told me about it. And then a few years ago, I was like, I was asking my dad about it, and he reached out to the daughter of the woman that he slept with. And uh, come to find out that it wasn't a sister that I had, but it was a brother, because we always thought it was a little sister, but no, it was potentially a brother. And uh, it, yeah, it's one of it's like these family secrets that come up, and that you don't know how much it's weighing on you or it's like sitting there because like sure I can forgive my dad for that like I can forgive my parents for not telling me about it but then there's the other side uh, of it yeah and this person that my father could be the you know dad of and 
he's you know he would he doesn't know like he would have to go get a genetics test and his father's still alive like his the person that raised him yes so it's like all of these things and like I, I caused this trauma in my family, like, in my potential family. Like, my dad, my dad doesn't, I'm, it, like, my dad reached out because he wanted, you know, he wanted to figure something out. But then, like, we left everything in the, the, the man's, uh, in his court, as it were, using mm -hmm. a basketball, like, mm -hmm. and we never heard anything back, which is fine. Like, uh, I'm not going to force anything. But it's one of those very weird, like, things. And, like, I feel, I feel a little bit bad because I wonder if talking about all of this, if my dad, like, if he was looking for some forgiveness, if what he was looking for, and, like... But at the same time, like, he potentially abandoned this child. Like, it's not family. abandoned. Not abandoned. Because she specifically asked him if he wanted nothing to do with the child to just like step back and she was going to tell this other guy and my dad's like nope I'm with well my mom is time so I'm fine with it because I'm born but but it's these it's these kind of things that like when you think about forgiveness there's so much that goes into it and so many things the layers the internalization in the family <laughs> dynamic is like what I was telling you about you're taking on that, oh, I potentially stirred the pot. I potentially caused trouble for this other, these other people. Yeah. And um, for me... And I felt bad about it. Like, and I need to forgive myself for that because exactly. it's like... Exactly. It's, like, it's the forgiveness about having, even having this conversation. Yeah. About, about bringing things to light. And you have to be open to forgiving yourself. And we're human beings we we need to talk about things and I think that in families with my family I was told I don't remember what happened but I was told over and over and over again that what happens inside the house stays in the house that we yeah. never ever ever discuss family matters outside the family yeah and I remember being very little like a toddler and my parents telling me that I uh so well it's, it's these it, yeah. it, it's it's things that we take to be true that we internalize and aren't necessarily truth. Yeah. yeah. You get to choose whether or not you talk about it. It's true, it's true. But you, like, especially when you're little, you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily know any better because, like, rules are rules. Like, and Josh, you, you do like to stir the pot. I do, but not, <laughs> like, not like that. No, not like that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, I don't think that. I do, well, You're I like loving. to stir. I like to, so I like to stir loving. you, Gabby. That's different. Like, I will text you things. Like, I will text you songs that will Same. get you going. <laughs> uh, especially like angry, angry like women screaming about man music. That's like, that I send you. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's like, I'm, Gabby needs a little piano apple today. Let's get that going. <laughs> But I mean, that's that's what's uh, that's what's great about having the conversation. Like having like we had a topic about forgiveness today, and so many things have come up, and like how we're all very articulate about what we're saying because uh, you know at some at some degree we want to make sure that our feelings are put out there, but like some of us are a little more guarded than others about it because we don't like. But it's all it's still putting that out there to like begin the process it's a really sensitive topic yeah first time I, um anybody ever brought it up publicly with me i was at the i was in a, a training and i was 
that girl. I was the it girl of, oh shit, things just got real. Yeah. And, um, and it had only recently been told to me that yeah. this has happened. And um, the woman uh, that was doing the, the coach, so to speak, was like, you were either um, sexually abused or physically abused as a child, which one was it? In front of a room of 200 people. Oh, that's awesome. And pointed and never would happen now. <laughs> uh, no, that, they'll still do that. That's, that's, yes, that's very landmark. Oh, that would be um, a lawsuit so quick. And, and it, and I would do at it just first to get the it money was from very them. liberating. Yeah. I was like, whoo, somebody finally figured it out. Okay. And then um, I almost didn't go back the next day because I felt like I was wearing it. It's yeah. just so much shame and like, it felt like a, and then I started talking about it and yeah. that melted away too. So it's like this, this weird well, it's easy, I guess dynamic. It, it's also, it's also weird because it's easier to like, I have, have you gone, you've gone to therapy before, haven't you? Very little. Okay. But I like, a little bit, I've, yeah. I've gone to, uh, I've gone to therapy and it's, it's still Doing hard. Therapy. It's still hard to talk to, uh, to talk to a therapist about some of these things, but then it's, it's a next step to just be open with the people around you about it. It's like, oh, we have this safe space where they're just keeping it to themselves. And then you like, oh my God, now I'm having this conversation with others. And like, I've gotten used to it. Like I, I mentioned earlier that I had the first, uh, like I've been telling like I've been, my brother is dealing with a lot of the same stuff that I've dealt with, like a lot of childhood trauma um, stuff. And he has not like forgiven our parents at all. And it's gotten us to a point where like him and I are fighting because I think he needs to go see a, uh, he needs to see a psychiatrist instead of just taking meds to get himself equalized. And granted, I I respect I respect that he can make his make, he can make his own choices, but calling me and having me reiterate the same thing over and over and over again about our parents isn't helping you. Um, it's like what we were talking about revisiting your trauma. Yeah. At some point, you just continue to, to call on people that are in that circle that know it, and you're saying it too often. Yeah. And you're you it's almost like you're desensitizing yourself to these very sensitive topics. It's Well, it's almost, I think what happens is that's the only time you feel alive. You start, you start going back to these trauma moments, like they, like in the book that we're reading, yeah. uh, the body keeps the score. He talks about the veterans and how they would come to life when they started revisiting the past, but they needed everybody to be part of that circle. They somehow needed to make him a veteran too for them to be able to share with yeah. him. And um, yeah, I think that you need that there is a duality to it. Yeah, you do need both sides. You need uh, you, you need, need to to talk about it, and you need to to release it. There's the action. There's the action part of it. Like there, and I think like going back to what you were first saying about forgiveness and confronting um, your relative is like that is an action. You took an action. You took a step forward. And the next part of that, like because it's always a practice, was saying nope. <laughs> which is a very different action, and one I honestly didn't expect, but I, under, <laughs> but I understand it. Like I understand, like, I understand where you're coming from, and it makes a lot of sense to the situation. Like, I, I feel like when it comes to that total forgiveness, like, I am, I am the kind of person who has had the life that 
I say this as a white male, so let's throw that out there. But I am I am the kind of person in my life who's, you know, I, I was sexually abused, I was mentally abused, I was verbally abused, I was uh, gay bashed um, on a couple different occasions when I was going to school. So like, I'm not without my traumas, but I'm also in a very different place than a lot of people that I can like, I feel like I can forgive all that because at the end of the day, like, it's some hick from South Dakota and I'm living in New Jersey. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna be moving to Savannah with an amazing man. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> love but, is and that's, the ultimate band-aid, isn't and that's, it? And that's me. <laughs> Just put that love band-aid on it. Ah. It's my puppy is what it is. He like licks, oh my he goodness, licks my wounds Kelly. for me. He yes. licks my wounds for I me. <laughs> But no, and I mean, for each person, like, I, I will say Michael has helped me through a lot of this stuff, like, um, and it all started with confronting somebody that I had always put as the villain of my childhood, which was my grandfather, um, who was severely, like, verbally and physically abusive. I say severely, but it's like, it wasn't severely, but it was severe to me as a kid. Um, but it, yeah, it really affected me, and actually thinking about uh, all of it, like Michael walked me through thinking about all of his negative traits and then like looking at myself and being like, yo, I've done these things in like smaller calibers. Like it made me, it made it easy for me to forgive. And I've never, like, I've never had anything majorly bad happen to me, thankfully. Um, and I'm very grateful for that, but that, that's what makes it easier to be able to forgive everybody. Um, is that I'm in a place that like, okay, even my sexual, my sexual trauma was more of a manipulation um, on the part of somebody else. I was still a young kid. I was like 12, uh, 11, yeah, 10 or 10 to 12. Um, and he was 16. Um, but it was always seen as a game. So even though it was, uh, it was definitely traumatic, I didn't see it that way, so my perspective, my perception of it is like, I'm working through the things that it caused, um, and, you know, the blame and things like that, but it's not, it doesn't hold me down in a way that it could other people, like, like that it was more- The way you talked the about way, perception and- The way, the, the way it could be more aggressive. If it was more aggressive, I, I could, I, I know that I would have a harder time being like, I forgive you, but he's also in jail now, so that helps. <laughs> <laughs> There's something that, much worse than that, that actually. Is part of the beauty of Tonglen is you imagine their suffering. I don't and... have to imagine it. <laughs> I look it up. <laughs> All right, I imagine any suffering incurred and then I'm able to forgive. Yeah. Well, I know that the person, there were four cousins who won. I later realized was my brother, which is another southern thing. Um, I'm, I, you guys I have West Virginia the... family. I have like I have cousins that are well, like on two you sides have of siblings my, and... and I have siblings in South Carolina, Florida. American family. <laughs> well, I I found out years later. Well, there was a, a woman, a girl who I'd gone to school with, and I went home for Thanksgiving one year, and she was in my living room, and I was like, hey, you know, thanks for spending 
Thanksgiving with us. I didn't know you knew my family. Um, <laughs> she and I were. I feel friends. like there's an oh by the way. She and I were friends in school, and she was the, she was the kind of, of girl who not a lot of people uh, would be friends with. Uh, she was um, <clears throat> she was what other white people. She was she she was white. I I use white and black when I describe people. She was white, and the other white people I heard them calling her white trash. Okay. Nothing I ever called her, or anybody in my family ever called her. It's just I stupid. am white trash. It's all just, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, but way way back. I speak speak it fluently. Yeah. <laughs> I she so she's sitting in this room filled with my family of of black and brown and. And you know, I've, I've been up. that person. I've been that person. I've been too. Oh my god, so fun at Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. I've done it Thanksgiving with my roommate and all of his family. It's so crazy. It's an experience. It's an experience. So, so I noticed she was pregnant, and I was like, "Congratulations!" And then the cousin who was the ring leader of, of my rape comes in and sits next to her. They're together. They're, it's his baby. I got so angry at her. Uh, Interesting, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I found out later, um, about a year later, she had had the baby and he, she came home one day and found him molesting the, an infant, their infant daughter. Oh God. And I immediately went to her and I sat and said I wanted you not to be pregnant with his child and I I I had this misplaced anger and I feel bad that I didn't tell you my story so that perhaps you would be prepared yeah. Um, there was nothing I could do beforehand. You were already pregnant, but I hope you can forgive me. And she was silent the whole time. She really said almost nothing while I was talking to her except mm-hmm and, and things like that. She didn't appear to be angry with me and we haven't spoken since, but I think about that often. And I say, fortunately, when I'm uh, uh, before what I'm about to say, uh, because what I'm about to say is this. <laughs> fortunately, he's a terrible person who takes care of none of his children. So he's not in that child's life. He's not in that little girl's life. So, um, because he would continue. He came to 
my mother's funeral and as I say she's my grandmother and he's my first cousin therefore his grandmother as well he came to the funeral with a 16 year old um, I he is a he is a serial pedophile he is a pedophile and I maybe that is one of the reasons I I can't really have this forgiveness that I wanted to have for him. I'm holding on to it maybe not just for me but for the the girls that I know he abused and the ones that I don't but I know are out there and he doesn't he's never been to jail for it I'm I grew up in a town of 200 this sort of thing happens it it's just oh well okay it, it's 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 ingrained in the communities it's oh go, go oh ahead. no we talked we talked about this a little bit earlier there is a sense of forgiveness uh, but there needs to have some sort of change right involved I think mm -hmm. that part of it is uh, the conversation and and what we've been going around is that sometimes we don't talk about it because there's shame especially in incest like there is guilt and shame and and I told you I felt like I was wearing it like it was yeah. it, um, and then there's also when you when you get it into the family you have this protectiveness of the family maybe not him but of everybody else that looked the other way the familial identity I think it would be is that you you start caring about you care like you can you can individually, say individually yeah. you see the hurt and harm like you were talking about there's potential for hurt and harm yeah when you out your father for having another child or talk about it publicly and yet if we don't talk about it publicly then we allow for somebody to go on and do what they're doing and perpetuate the crime against young children it's yeah. it's it's a mess i talk about it all the time now any and, that, and that's that's wonderful i think that's wonderful it's, yeah it's definitely part of i feel like it's, it's a huge it's, yeah it's wonderful it's that you talk wonderful about that you share it. yeah it's uh it's i feel like talking about it is we were talking about like steps in terms of forgiveness like uh in different in different ways like talking is definitely the first step because in talking you can find out what you've gained and what you've learned from it and even making those mistakes because even even what you were talking about with uh with your friend who had you know his child like you you learned you need to speak up in certain situations and that's like well, you can, and you have to forgive yourself for you know not having spoken up that first time, but you're moving forward and like you had you had the conversation with her that you needed to have with her, and you're moving on and helping the people you can. Like none of us can help everybody, even if we try. But being honest and being um, honorable about your truth, um, in that sense of helping and keeping other people safe around you is I think the first step towards uh, being able to forgive. Um, and you know what I've noticed in, in 
this conversation, I, I think a lot of forgiveness is what an individual's I, def, personal definition of forgiveness is. Ooh, I like that. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, so we're at- Yeah, you took me to another level of forgiveness today. You did. Because I was like, yeah, I've, I've had this, this forgiveness conversation inside myself. Can I have it with the person that did that? So here's what we're gonna do to end this because we are at uh, like 48 minutes. So this is, <laughs> this is the time. Let's talk about uh, forgiveness in the terms of like, what is your personal definition of forgiveness? And I, I gotta go with uh, what Gabby was talking about is the idea of release of traumatic tension. Personal release of traumatic tension. Is, would be, is that that's how I would describe it based on our conversation today. Yeah, I like that. Because even then, technically, by that definition, you have forgiven I him. Have. <laughs> <laughs> by not forgiving him. I release you. Yeah. Well, it's more like you released yourself in that. Like. That's and, what it ultimately is all about. Forgiveness, gratitude, love, they're selfish acts. We, lo we look at them as if it's like, you know, Mother Teresa or some kind of Gandhi or, or some kind of oh, great that humanitarian. Bitch, that bitch became a saint. She is doing <laughs> fine in heaven. <laughs> that, that, that it's some kind of great humanitarian act for those other people out there. It's not about those other people out there. Ultimately, what forgiveness, gratitude, and love are about is what you feel here. It's what it, it it's a selfish act. Mm -hmm. And living it's almost like and living in that selfishness it allows you to help other I people. I love you. I love you. Aww. I love you and I'm so <laughs> selfish. I'm so selfish. And that's the episode everybody. Uh, once again, this is the Shadow Artist Experiment. We are joined by the lovely Kimberly this time. And as always, I'm with Gabby and I am Joshua Bell. Thank you all and we'll see you next week. Love you. Bye. That's it. That's the end of the show. So thank you for listening and thank you for subscribing, liking, and hopefully enjoying the Shadow Artist Experiment podcast.